Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. Okay, so we all know about Metro Vancouver's well-earned reputation as the priciest region in Canada to buy a home. But we've seen multiple levels of government introduce mechanisms to cool prices in recent years. So has this put home ownership within the reach of average Canadians, those median income earners? Real estate firm and search engine Zucasa has released new data that perhaps does not paint the rosiest pictures for people looking to enter the market, but some very fascinating numbers nonetheless. And joining me on today's program is Sugasa Managing Editor, Penelope Graham. Penelope, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hi there. So first up, I'm just curious, what did you guys set out to uncover with this report? We can get into the meat and potatoes in just a minute. I know all the listeners will want to get into that, but I think it's really important that we understand what your guys' ultimate goal was here. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, there's been so many new policies absorbed in the Metro Vancouver market over the past couple of years. Um, you know, we've had foreign buyers tax. Uh, non-resident speculation tax, empty homes tax, um, and of course, there's the federal mortgage stress test. So all of those combined have really affected the market. They've chilled both sales and price growth. And as a result, where prices are currently in Metro Vancouver, they're a little bit more affordable than they were last year. Um, according to the October report from the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, benchmark's about 6.5% lower than it was last year. But that benchmark is still pretty close to that $1 million mark. Um, So we really wanted to see, you know, taking that into account, how feasible would it be for for a middle-class buyer? So someone who does have the median income in their local market, how feasible would it be for them to purchase the benchmark-priced home in their neighborhood? Um, So we ran a study to really look into those numbers and, uh, you know, what we did is we sourced median incomes from the 16 municipalities across Metro Vancouver from StatsCan. And we also pulled the benchmark home prices, um, both for detached houses and apartments from the various local real estate boards. And then we did a calculation. We determined what would be the maximum mortgage um, each of these households earning the median income would qualify for in each of these municipalities. And would that be enough? to buy that benchmark home. Um, In the instances where it wouldn't be sufficient, how much of a a cash down payment would you theoretically have to put up in order to close that deal? And then how long would it take you to save that down payment, assuming you're putting aside 20% of your income each year? Um, So when we look at the data, um, you know, especially the detached houses, not a big surprise here, but if you're a median income earner, there really isn't a single municipality where you're going to have the purchasing power to buy a detached house. Um, you know, some of the numbers are actually really dramatic. Um, when we're looking at some of the, the luxury neighborhoods, of course, where, uh, you know, you've got West Vancouver and Richmond, Vancouver West, um, homes in, in those neighborhoods are in the $2.9 million range. If you're earning the median income, you're only going to qualify for a mortgage that's, you know, roughly 200K. So you're looking at a savings timeline in some of these instances of over a century long. Um, so clearly a very dramatic number there. Obviously, home buyers, 
they're not going to be saving for those obscene timelines in order to purchase a home. They're going to be looking in neighborhoods and at home types that are better lined with their incomes. Um, but we wanted to illustrate the numbers this way to really show the gap between housing prices and the purchasing power for someone who is middle class. Um, and when we look at actually the most affordable end of the detached market, so places like Maple Ridge and North Delta and Pitt Meadows, housing prices there are still in you know that 800K range you're still looking at a savings timeline if you're earning the median of over 26 years. Um, so, you know, we really just wanted to illustrate how large is that gap and, and how feasible would it be for someone earning the median to actually purchase, uh, you know, a detached house in their neighborhood. Yeah, I, I might be dating myself just a little bit, but I, I recall my dad telling me that uh, he put a down payment on a home when he was, I think, uh, 22, 23. Uh, I was right after mm -hmm. he got out of school. And um, I'm looking at some of the years in some of the more affordable neighborhoods about how long it's going mm -hmm. to take to save up for a down payment. Um, you highlighted, let, let's start with maybe detached homes. Uh, you highlighted a Maple Ridge, for example, mm -hmm. as the most affordable for detached homes. Let's talk a little bit, uh, let's start with maybe the median income in Maple Ridge, and then we can dive into how long it's going to take somebody with that median income to actually save up for a detached home in Maple Ridge. Mm -hmm. So in Maple Ridge, uh, the median income there for a household is just over $86,000. So based on that alone, um, you'd qualify for a mortgage, and this is assuming that you're getting a 3% interest rate, um, and we factor in a few other things like 25-year amortization, 1% um, of your, your housing cost in a, as property taxes in a $100 heating bill. You'd qualify for a maximum mortgage based on your income of just over $340,000. But the benchmark detached home there is just over $804,000. Um, so you'd be looking at having to come up with a shortfall of about $461,000. And the savings timeline to come up with that is 26.8 years. Um, so even in the most affordable locale in our study, if you're earning the median income and you're, you're looking to purchase a detached house, uh, you know, it's still wildly out of the realm of affordability, even in the, the most affordable neighborhood. So if we use my dad as an example, once again, uh, if he was, you know, 22 in the year 2019, mm -hmm. uh, he would no doubt have to be going to maybe the, the bank of his own mom and dad if he wanted to get anything uh, where he wasn't closing in on the age of like 50, right? Mm -hmm. And the bank of mom and dad is certainly a trend that we're seeing becoming more prevalent. Uh, and this is something we're, we're seeing in hot markets across the country. So Vancouver, certainly, you know, Toronto uh, and some of those greater Golden Horseshoe markets. Um, and that's because in some of these larger cities, it's a lot easier when you've got generational wealth to break into the housing market at the level of a detached house. If you're a first time buyer, you do have some options. Um, you know, if you're looking at, at smaller condo units or strata units in, you know, uh, lower priced neighborhoods, um, there are some uh, realistic entry points um, at, at that level, and they call it a property ladder for a reason. So what you're trying to do is, is break into the market at, to some extent, then you're building equity, and then later on down the line, you're hopefully upgrading your housing and your mortgage to something that's a little bit in a, you know, that, that higher priced range. Um, so you know, if your father was theoretically purchasing today, he'd most likely be looking at, at a condo or strata in one of these lower priced neighborhoods. 
Well, why don't we jump over to the condo stuff in just a moment, because first, maybe I, I want to tap into maybe some of the more unaffordable uh, markets here in Metro Vancouver. Let's start with Vancouver mm-hmm. West and maybe break it down for me, kind of the numbers that we have there. Uh, for detached houses still? Yeah, let, let's stick with detached yeah. houses for now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Vancouver West is the, the priciest neighborhood for real estate in Metro Vancouver. Um, not a big surprise to anyone. We know that this is where all of the luxury mansions are clustered. Uh, the benchmark home price there, just over $2.9 million. Um, but surprisingly, the, the median income is actually a little bit lower. Uh, you'd be looking at earning um, just over $65,000. Um, So here we need to take into account the way this calculation works. You're actually going to qualify for a smaller mortgage when you're factoring in these really large home prices because of those um, that 1% we factor in for property taxes and heating costs um, because those expand so monumentally when the home price is that much higher, that gets taken into account as, as a debt obligation and that's going to impact Um, qualification. So in this particular instance, if you earn that income and you're trying to purchase a home that's $2.9 million, you're only going to qualify for a mortgage of about $66,000. So you'd be looking at a a cash shortfall of just over $2.8 million. Uh, This is where you're looking at one of the really obscene savings timelines of 217 years. Um, So obviously, wildly out of the realm of affordability for someone who's earning the median. Well, maybe uh, my siblings, I've got uh, three siblings, maybe all of us can get together. And after 55 years, we can uh, save up to uh, put something in and uh, live together once again. Uh, That's what I can hope for at this point. And again, co-ownership is something that we're seeing happen, uh, you know, more frequently. People joining forces and finances in order to break into some of these pricier housing markets and splitting the cost of ownership. If we go down to number three, though, uh, that's Richmond is the third least affordable. And I think people look at Richmond. It's a kind of a typical suburb. It's not as hoity-toity mm-hmm. as, say, West Vancouver. What is it looking like there? Because I, I think that may be more reflective of, of what a lot of other people are looking at when they're getting into the market. Mm-hmm. So Richmond may not be your stereotypical luxury market, um, but the benchmark home price there is still quite high. You're still looking at over $1.5 million. And the median income there, again, just over 65000 So you'd be looking at a maximum mortgage qualification of about $129,000. Still looking at having to come up with $1.3 million on your own. Still looking at a savings timeline of over 105 years if you're earning wow. the median income. Um, so when you take all those factors into account, even though the, the perception might be that it is more of a middle class you know, suburban neighborhood, it's still out of reach for someone who's earning the median. Well, maybe we can leave this on a high note or, or a, maybe a higher note, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. If we look at some of the more affordable options that exist for, say, you mentioned uh, Condo and Strata just a few minutes ago. What is the most affordable mm-hmm. option here in Metro Vancouver right now in, in terms of mm-hmm. municipality? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there is some good news. There are a couple of neighborhoods where you're not looking at an absolutely crazy savings timeline to break into the housing market if you're a median income household. Um, so neighborhoods like North Delta, Maple Bridge, um, Port Coquitlam, uh, in those neighborhoods, the benchmark for an apartment unit is under $400,000. 
So you'd be looking at a savings timeline of between about one year to 3.9 years. Obviously, much more realistic um, if you're a dedicated saver and home ownership is an important financial goal for you. Um, this is something that is quite financially feasible if you're earning the median income. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do have a friend of mine. Uh, she's in her late 20s living with her parents, but she already put mm-hmm. a down payment on a condo. It's a two-bedroom condo in Coquitlam or uh, Port Coquitlam, mm-hmm. I should say. So it is kind of interesting that even myself, I get to witness uh, this taking place within my own peer group that people are, as you said, being those diligent savers and they are manifesting like housing options that are actually affordable for them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the affordable options do exist. Um, you know, you just have to be resourceful and realistic and know, okay, these are the neighborhoods that are feasibly within my budget. Um, in your friend's case, the fact that she gets to live at home and I'm assuming not necessarily having to pay market rent, that's likely really to her benefit. She's able to really save up a nest egg quickly to make that down payment. Um, so there is some good news. You know, if you're earning the median income, you do have some pockets of affordability in the Metro Vancouver region. Um, However, you know, it's, it's still uh, quite an expensive picture when you're looking at the other end. Again, looking at West Vancouver, Vancouver West, Burnaby, um, you're still looking at savings timelines of about, you know, 30 to 40 years. Um, again, these units range between the upper $600,000 range to the, the low $1 million range. So, um, you know, you really do have to be specific in the, uh, the real estate destinations that you're looking at for the best affordability. Uh, very fair. I, I, I'll leave you with this, though, and uh, maybe putting you on the spot just a little bit because we've been talking about something a little bit different. But we have noticed that there has been an uptick in sales recently, even though price wise, mm-hmm. we're not hitting those peaks that we were at in, say, 2017. Mm-hmm. Are there concerns or, or do you think it's possible that with the sales going up that we could see prices following soon? What I'm getting is should people be looking to get into the market maybe sooner rather than later, even if it is quite un- un- unaffordable at this point? Mm-hmm. So you're right. The market is seeing a surge of strength. Um, so in that October report that I mentioned earlier, sales are up 45.4% compared to last October. Um, that's an enormous increase for any given year. But especially when we look at where the market was at this time last year, it was down 37.5% because it was still absorbing all of these new policies. So that's really illustrating quite a strong turnaround. Um, So we're seeing the surge in sales, but we're also seeing a decline in both um, uh, active and new supply. Uh, You know, both are down between about 5.8 to 16%. So when you have a situation where supply is on the decline and sales are rising, well, that's setting the stage for supply and demand imbalance. And over time, if that's sustained, that's going to fuel price growth again. Uh, So we are seeing some of those fundamentals falling back into place that you know, could be uh, fueling the market back up to maybe not necessarily the peaks we saw in 2016 and 2017, but the pieces are certainly there. Well, excellent. Uh, Penelope, just fascinating numbers. Uh, For anybody who is on uh, finding this podcast, we'll make sure that we have a link to the data as well. I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. That's Penelope Graham, Managing Director at, or I should say Managing Editor at Zucasa, and that is it for the show today. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, you can tell your friends to eh, go find us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. For now, I'm Tyler Orton. Thank you for listening.